humans. Hello, hello. Good Sunday afternoon to you. How are you today? I hope you are doing well. This is Ellie Krug with Hidden Edges Radio on AM 950. Back for another Sunday afternoon to talk with you about things going on in the world. Remember, the purpose of the show is about our collective struggle to survive the human condition. And let me just tell you, we've got a great show today. But let me also remind, for those who have not heard me before, my voice is deep. Yes, my name is Ellie, for sure. I happen to be one of the relatively few transgender radio hosts in the world. Uh, people keep telling me I don't need to keep saying that at the beginning of every show. Um, yet, I do because I'm quite neurotic. Okay, on that note, let me tell you, we've got a really great guest here. I have Todd Feske here in the, uh, in the station. Hi, Todd. How are you? I'm well, Ellie. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Todd is with Walking with a Purpose Minnesota, which is an organization which is grassroots, and I think that that's, I'm going to really, I think it's about as grassroots as you can get, which is about helping the homeless. Is that right, Todd? Exactly. So, Todd, let me um, just uh, kind of set the stage a little bit for the audience. You are um, in your early 60s, um, St. Paul born, um, lived in North Dakota for a long time, period of time then you came back in 2010 and when you came back um you wanted to um work in part on your physical health yep. and you started walking do i have that part right that's a, that's exactly right and but your walks were urban walks not like out in the nature preserves well i did that too i okay i, I, I love doing both it's, okay uh, but but as you were walking um, not only did you lose some weight, oh, yeah. and you look very fit, um, but you also found some things. And, and I want you to talk to us about what you found and how Walking with a Purpose Minnesota came into being. Well, I'd, like I said, I like to hike up most everywhere, but when I'm walking through a lot of the parts around the river on the um, St. Paul, you know, I'd come across once in a while a tent and stuff, and you know, it was the homeless camps. This is uh, about 2014 we're talking about, is that right? Uh, this would have been, right, exactly, when I was doing that. I was actually coming across it probably 2013, after I moved back into the St. Paul and okay. stuff. And you come across, and when I hiked, I never knew if I was going for two hours or six hours, so I always carry extra water and food, and I'd leave a little something and Adam and stuff. When but, you would uh, come across these yeah, encampments? Yeah. And these encampments, can you describe what they would look like? And this would be and continues to be to this day oh, yeah. for homeless people. Yeah, the ones I come across when you're doing those kind of camps are just going to be pretty much a tent in an area. Um, once in a while, you'll see there'll be what they call beaver damming, where they'll take logs and sticks and actually build a wall. So it's harder to see them in there. And okay. Stuff. Kind of camouflage them. Um, but those are the, generally the ones you're going to find in most of the woods where the um, homeless are. They're going to be using tarps, tents, and then logs and sticks to kind of hide and blend into the background. Okay. All right. So you're doing these walks and and you start leaving items I left for those people. stuff there and stuff and what happened was in, in the end of 2014 i came across a posting to collect stuff for the homeless and i was looking to do a little more and connect with other people and you could either gather stuff during the black friday shopping and drop it off and get to a shelter or you could distribute it i kind of wanted to distribute it and uh when i responded that way the response i got back was uh, well great you just did the hardest part, decided to do something, now go do it. I thought I was going to join other people. And when I found out that wasn't the case, on twenty uh, or on 12, uh, two of that year, I uh, just loaded up some gloves, scarves, hats, coats I had, and I went to where I've seen camps before. Okay. And the first day I found a couple camps, left some stuff at those. Uh, it was the second day that made the biggest difference when I went down to Sweet Hollow and came across two gentlemen. And I offered them some stuff. And they looked at me and said, oh, yeah, it's Christmas. Everybody thinks of us at Christmas, and then they forget about us. And I told them I'm not that guy. I, I says, what else you need and where are you going to be? Where can I find you? Well, I've been out every week since. It's been over three years. Wow. And... Um, and when you say you go out, do you have a van or a vehicle that's equipped with uh, We are stuff? fortunate in this last uh, year. We uh, got a van donated to us, and we even got, uh, my brother came down from Fargo, put some nice signage on it for us. We now have a designated van. I used my own personal van for the first couple of years okay. uh, to do it. All right, so, so, so you go from being an urban walker to then being a volunteer on one day about helping the homeless. Mm -hmm. Then to being somebody who then 
creates an organization. Exactly. And the name of your organization is Walking with a Purpose Minnesota? Minnesota exactly. Do you have a website or a Facebook page that you people bet. could check you out? Our Facebook is uh, one of the best places to go because you'll see the camps. You'll see the people we help. We'll see how they live and stuff. And that's Walking with a Purpose Minnesota. And then our uh, website is uh, Walking with a Purpose uh, MN at, or Walking with a Purpose dot org. Okay. That one. Right. All right. So, so, so you you took this into creating a nonprofit, right? So if people want to give, they can get a tax right, We are a 501C. What happened was, as I started doing this, some people found out and wanted to help me a little bit. Okay. And so we started growing a little bit that way. And then, of course, as I started doing it, I found the needs were more and more. And that they didn't just need gloves and hats. They needed food. They needed first aid. They needed hygiene. They needed batteries. They needed flashlights. They needed tents. They needed and needed and needed. Right. And right now, we're doing a lot of propane, a lot of candle. Uh, we're, we're handing out stoves for them. You know, and all that, we need donations for those are we need cash donations to go out and buy that stuff okay we're very fortunate in clothing donations we do very well the only thing we're in constant need of is socks and jeans really those are a constant need uh, if you really think about it these people don't do laundry okay they don't have access they're wearing the same pair of socks day after day it just doesn't work and of course the jeans get pretty bad after just a week or two so right so tell us, um, if you would, uh, Todd, what a, what's it, what's it like to be homeless in the, you know, living in the outside? Out, I mean, you're going to places where people are pitching tents, like right. in the woods. Right. We're dealing with the lowest level of homeless. There's different okay. levels of homelessness. Well, tell us about this. Yeah, you know, you've got the people that are temporary homeless. Somebody loses their job and stuff, and they lose their apartment, and they just need a little short time help. Uh, you've got the people that um, have mental issues. Issues. That's one of the mental health issues. That's, yes. that's one of the leading indicators of homeless, right there. Um, and but a lot of them will fit into the system that we've that society has created for them to go to the shelters and get help and things like that. People I deal with have given up on that stuff. That, that it doesn't work for them. Most of my people do have some sort of mental health uh, health issue or a physical issue. Um, a number of them do have an addiction issue. Not all of them. Um, and just like the rest of society. Major problem is going to be alcohol out there. Um, that's what you're going to see. The people I deal with... These are, uh, these are coping mechanisms. Exactly. Yeah. Um, a lot of them um, come from bad situations, foster homes. You know, um, Their own parents were uh, alcoholic, abusive, and stuff. Or homeless themselves, and they grew up in the system. You know, and it's just what it is with them. That's the life they've seen. Um, but these people, contrary to what a lot of people say, aren't lazy. The, the, the level I deal with, you can't be. It's a constant struggle every day just to exist out there. Well, and, and so we're taping this show on January 15th. I think it's going to get to be a high of about 10. Yep. We've had since the beginning of January many days where the it hasn't gotten above zero during the daytime. Exactly. And you have... Your people, and I'm using your phrase, and I love that you use that phrase because that says a lot about you, Todd. Your people are out there in this weather. You bet. I just got a, uh, a message uh, two days ago. One of them was in the, the Regents Hospital of Frostbite. That's the third confirmed one that I know of in the last two weeks. Of, your, of the people of the that people you... I help. And how many right now, as we sit here, how many people are you regularly seeing out in the, out in the field? We're averaging about 35, 40 right now. And the problem is 35 to 40, 40 pe people a, a week. A week. And right now I have a problem because I have a number of them I have to go find again. They've been red tagged, which is our society system of evicting homeless people, if that makes any sense tell us to you. A, tell us about red tagging. Red tagging is what the city does. It's what our government does. It's an actual red tag. And it tells you you got 72 hours to move. What you are doing is illegal. Okay. And they have to move. And if they don't move, what happens? Do they Are they arrested? We will destroy. No, we'll just destroy everything they own okay it's a constant thing we are constantly cleaning up these homeless camps it is costing us thousands of dollars tens of thousands of dollars in some cases to clean up these homeless camps we treat them as hazardous waste and well we should and we keep paying for this over and over and over and then when we do go in and destroy all their equipment even the ones with jobs they have to go out and purchase they have to find it all again they have to rebuild up what they had okay so let me just stop you there because yeah. you use the phrase even those that, those that have jobs so what are you finding in the field are are all of these people jobless that are out in no. their tents that are no. out 
that are homeless? I have a number of them that have jobs. A lot more on Social Security disability. Um, a lot of them have the golden ticket, the, 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 the ticket that gets them into a place, the certificate. The problem is it isn't the lack of shelters. It's the lack of affordable housing. That's the leading cause of homelessness. There's just not enough affordable housing through gentrification and a lot of the other things we've done in the last 20, 30 years by getting rid of the flop houses and those types of neighborhoods where they used to be able to go. We get rid of the skid rows, but instead of replacing them with affordable housing, we replace them with condos. We're not doing anything, and that's where the tiny home movement has come into that. And when we come back from our break, Todd, I want to talk with you about the tiny homes because that's what led you and me to speak. Exactly. But then I found that there was this whole larger story about this big heart that you have and um, I suspect you're an idealist like I am and um, and so but when we come back from our break we'll talk about that okay I've been speaking with Todd Feske who is um, the founder and uh, obviously the architect of walking with a purpose Minnesota if you like um, what you hear and you want to find out more about Walking with a Purpose Minnesota, you can go to their website, which is walkingwithapurpose.org. Yep, or their Facebook page. Um, when we come back, we'll talk more with Todd. You've been listening to me, Ellie Krug, one of only a handful of transgender radio hosts in the world. That and $3.43 will get you a cup of hot chocolate at Caribou. Um, if you like what you hear, email me at hiddenedgesradio at gmail.com or visit my website at elliekrug.com. When we come back, we'll speak some more with Todd. Thank you. Mishad Cooley Erickson, a mechanical and electrical consulting engineering firm in Minneapolis, supports inclusivity by designing spaces for all user groups, honoring inclusivity and respect. These spaces include gender-neutral family restrooms and nursing mothers' rooms. For example, Mishad Cooley Erickson has designed lactation rooms for traveling mothers at the MSP International Airport. Designing these spaces has changed the expectations of similar facilities in airports around the country. Mishad Cooley Erickson designed safe and comfortable environments for occupants who are their number one priority. I'm Adam Jennings, and I approve this message. The race for Congress in the 3rd District will be one of the top races in the nation. I entered this race because I believe we need a progressive voice that is not afraid of the Republican attack machine. I believe in Medicare for All, and I'm not afraid to say so. I believe in the common-sense gun legislation proposed by Gabby Giffords, and I'm not afraid to say so. I believe in supporting our public schools protecting Social Security, funding Planned Parenthood, and standing with the Dreamers on their quest to become American citizens, and I'm not afraid to say so. I'm a husband, father, veteran, former AFSCME and UAW worker. From owning a small business that provides housing to homeless vets to running a multi-billion dollar investment portfolio for a major insurance company, I have the life experiences that I'll bring to Congress to represent your interests. So if you want a Democrat that will proudly stand up for the issues you care about, join me February 6th and take back your party. Thank you. Paid for by Adam Jennings for Congress. Brending Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years. Celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. While shopping for a fireplace insert at Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces, I was amazed at all the choices. Not just gas, electric, or wood-burning, but also built-in or freestanding, and options in every style from antique to modern. The staff really listened to us, explained the options, and helped us choose a fireplace we absolutely love. Now it warms our hearts and our home every winter. Thank you, Woodland Stoves, for a great addition. Hi, I'm Peter Solak, putting in a word for the EPA BurnWise campaign. It has important information about clean burn fireplaces. This is an important part of our mission at Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces. We know that the fireplace has to work. Work with your life, work with your living space, and also be environmentally smart. Come see us. Learn to burn wise. We have over 35 working units on display at the corner of Riverside and East Franklin Avenue in Minneapolis. Visit our store in person or online at woodlandstoves.com. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces, out of the ordinary products and services since 1977. And we are 
Cutting Edges Radio on AM 950. This is Ellie Krug, your esteemed host. I use that phrase lightly and loosely. We've been speaking with Todd Feske with Walking with a Purpose Minnesota. And Todd is the founder of that organization. He is someone who helps the homeless. I think, as Todd described it, the lowest, uh, the homeless on the lowest rung of homelessness. These are folks who are living out in the field, living in tents, in, in public places, and having to cope with the weather, having to cope with law enforcement, having to cope with people stealing their stuff, all kinds of things. Right, Todd? All that, health issues, you got it, yeah. Okay, now before we broke, though, um, you had mentioned the tiny homes movement, tiny homes or tiny, tiny houses movement. And there's a story here because you and I got connected because I, what I started to do was to investigate tiny houses. And um, that led me to speaking to an individual who was trying to do a tiny houses project in St. Paul. But I came to find out that he wasn't building, that, uh, envisioning that project for the homeless. Instead, he was envisioning it for middle-income people, which is, of course, very important, but nonetheless. But, you know, and I, I ended that phone call with him, and I'm like, I was ending it, and I was like, well, this isn't going to go anywhere. And then literally in the last 10 seconds of the phone call, he said, well, you might want to talk to a guy named Todd. And I've got his business card. He's, I don't know his last name, but it's walking with a purpose. And he said, good luck with that. And so I Googled you. And, and that's how you and I spoke. And, of course, I found out there's a much bigger story here. All right, I'll, I'll shut up at this point. Tiny houses, tiny homes. This is something that you've become um, focused on. Can you, first of all, talk about what the tiny houses or tiny homes movement is in the United States? It's been going on for a while. In fact, I think this is what keeps me going, um, knowing that there is actually a solution to, to this. And when I came across the tiny home uh, movement uh, relatively early when I was doing this, um, I immediately went to Madison and visited the one they had. Madison, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. All right. So tell us about what that was and what is the concept? Uh, Madison started um, theirs off of the um, Occupy Madison movement back in the day. Okay. And uh, they were very fortunate. Uh, the first thing, what they're doing is because of building codes, is they're basically doing 10 by 15 foot sheds, I would call them, tiny homes. And they have to do theirs on trailers because they have to be portable. They have to be able to be moved in order to meet building codes there. And so they just started doing fundraising to start building them. And uh, they were fortunate enough to actually get some land to put it on, and that was the most important thing. The first thing they were going to do is put them in church parking lots. Uh, but when they got the land, an old gas station, they were able to actually start to build their village. And when I was there, there was, uh, I believe at the time, four active of these tiny homes going. They were just... Uh, Basically, 10 by 15 foot, what we would call a garden shed. And what do they, I mean, do they have toilet facilities in them? Well, or? what you do is the homes themselves don't. All you really do with them is you wire them up with electricity so you can have heat and lights. Okay, there's no plumbing in them. You use shared showers, shared kitchen, and shared bathrooms. And okay. Stuff. So, so you built like a community, if you're going to put it on a permanent place, you build like a community you center. You build like a community. And there's a reason for this. And I can't get into all the reasons why you want to start it, but just like there's different levels of homeless, there's different levels of these villages. Okay. Okay. And the one we're talking about on the east side, they're doing a little more on the top end. East side, St. Paul, you that's bet, correct. But they're also doing all the legal work to get it okayed, which is a hard thing to do in Minnesota. Uh, what we envision are, are, are two different uh, types. The one I particularly need for the people I help is just a basic one. I just want a shed with a bunk, a light, a heater, and a door with a lock to keep them safe. Right. It's that simple. They will use shared showers, kitchen stuff. But we also want to have ways for them to make a living. It's very hard for these people to hold jobs. If you're paranoid, schizophrenic, you've got depression, anxiety, or a number of these illnesses, you it's hard to rely on somebody every week, but they can work. And we can create programs for that when they're in the village community. We can bring help in. We can bring addiction counselors. A lot of them need to get their high school diplomas. We can do that when we have them in a safe far more, environment. Far more cost-effective to have folks 
exactly. in one location and then be able to bring the resources in rather yes. than hunting people down out in the out in the boonies. Actually, Ellie hit it right there. Every community that's done this, every city, and we're talking Austin, Houston, Santa Cruz, um, Madison, Racine, Seattle, Detroit. These are just the ones I can think off the top of my head. Every one of them gets the same results to taxpayers, an average savings of 60%. Yeah. I'm not going to well, get into saving lives. Well, I know, but this you is know. saving money. Okay, but, but Todd, you just listed a bunch of cities where I would think that people would be saying Minneapolis is far more progressive, exactly. or the Twin oh. Cities are far more progressive than Welcome any of Welcome to my those. world, Ellie. I agree 100%. I, and it's hard getting it through. I've talked, you know, the city council. Thank God we got a new mayor in St. Paul. I need to go talk to. And you got to talk to Jacob Fry because Mayor Fry has made affordable housing a big deal. Yes. And I, I understand that, you know, there's a difference between affordable housing and tiny houses. Right. But nonetheless, it's the concept of getting in the head of people that there is something here, okay? Right. And actually, in affordable housing does work. That's the next level. And that's why we get into what Detroit is doing. They're doing basically 250 to 400 square foot homes. Mortgage is a dollar a square foot per month. That's mortgage. These homes will be paid off in seven to eight years. Right. They're being offered to formerly homeless people. Low-income seniors, which is the fastest-growing segment of the homeless right now, is 55 and older, and people that grew up in the students in the foster care. So there's different levels we can do. And here. Detroit is the place that I looked at, and and um, on a show coming up, I'm actually going to be speaking to the Detroit oh, people. Oh, great! Can't wait so, for that. Um, but but Todd, um, tell me, and and so you're you're pushing for tiny homes. Yep. Um, I know that there's a movement in St. Paul. But this is going to be middle-income tiny right. homes. Um, I, that sounds like an oxymoron. But, <laughs> um, but I mean, uh, and the developer was telling me he thinks that he's going to price them out at about one hundred sixty-five thousand yeah, dollars a year. Yeah. So when you talk about brand new home for one hundred sixty-five thousand in the Twin Cities, people are like, "Well, that is that's." But we're also low. talking four hundred to five hundred square feet. Yeah, right, right, <laughs> right, right. But but tell us um, this for a couple of things. Yeah. First of all. And I, by the way, I could talk to you all day. I just want, I just... <laughs> well, I could talk to you too. Yeah. I mean, idealist to idealist. But here's first, okay? Um, uh, you need volunteers, right? We're always looking for volunteers. Okay. How can people get a hold of you if they want to volunteer, if they want to go out into the field? Uh, and by the, and you go with them and you help educate. Oh, yeah, yeah. You help educate. I am there, doing nobody, what I wanted somebody to do. I want. I now take people out that want to give directly. Okay. I've done church groups, individuals. But you're not making people go by themselves. No, no, no. All right, no, no. so if somebody wants to contact you and get involved with Walking with a Purpose Minnesota, how do they do that? Email me, Todd Fesky, T-O-D-D. F as in Frank, E-S-K-E, -E, at yahoo.com. Okay, they can do that. Now, tell us, you've gotten, you, you talk about your, your people, which, again, I love that phrase, um, and you are obviously very loyal to them, and them, and I'm putting air quotes around that, um, and you care about them. You're helping some of them get out, get out of the, off the street. Well, right? that's one of the main reasons why we're out every week, multiple days a week, to make contact with them at least once a week, is I've found through my past, you can't force people to change their behavior, give up their addictions and, and their other problems they have until they're ready. And usually that means they're going to be at the lowest point of a low point in, of a low right. life. Yeah. And our point is to be there at that moment. When they're ready, we can help them. We can guide them. We will support them. We've had, uh, there was a gentleman, Chris, when I met him, he was in the same spot for four years, which was unbelievable to be in one place that long. He was addicted to heroin. Uh, Chris f first got in trouble. He went to prison when he was 15 for murder. Uh, he, he was accessory, but once you do that, your life is pretty much going in one direction. Uh, with the help of uh, Reverend Rogers, um, we were able to convince him. He went up to Grand Forks, and when he was up there, I got phone calls from him twice because I promised him 
that if he got clean and came back, he could come out and help me, help get other people out of the situation. And he'd call me and tell me, no, you, you promised me I get to come out. Hell yeah. I said, you do this. And he did it. And he does have a place now that he's into. He has a safe environment. And it was one of my best feelings I had is when I went over there and said, look, it's raining outside and your walls aren't caving in. You're not wet. You're watching TV. Yeah. It's just a great moment. And we've had recent successes. We were able to verify people that are homeless, which is important for them to get housing. If they're not in the system, if they're not going through the the, the, the steps they the need. The bureaucracy. Oh, and stuff. They can't verify it. They don't get help. We can do that. We just did that last week for somebody. I know they were out there. I've been helping them for almost three years. Uh, so that's one of the nice things we can do. But we also show them the love. And, you know, I don't walk in with a Bible, but I show them God works through people every day. And this is what we represent to them, that they're not forgotten. They know what we do is through the goodness of others and the grace of God. And they understand that without preaching. These are the most spiritual people you'll ever meet. They pray every night. So we're there to support them when they're at their lowest. Okay. Well, it's, I mean, it sounds uh, very... Very effective. I mean, your nonprofit, I'm going to guess, is a shoestring budget. Um, and, and hopefully, uh, listeners, if they want to, they can donate to Walking with a Purpose MN. They can get a tax deduction to do that. Not that necessarily you have to. That's the only reason to do, uh, make donations. Um, but it's a shoestring budget, but it's because of you. Todd, you've done this. You have affected the lives of a lot of people. And I just want to tell you, I'm in awe. And I'm really, I want you to know that I really respect you and the colleagues that you have working with you. Will you let them know that I have said to them that they rock? Oh, yeah. You know, you rock. Well, they do. They do. I can't do it without. I can't you do know, it without help. And I just, I, I, I just want to say thank you because, um, you know, we have the old saying about talking the talk and walking the walk. Well, you're actually not only figuratively walk in the walk, but you started this because you were actually walking the walk, okay. because you were walking and meeting with humans. Well, thank you, Ellie. And I, I, I ask that you do one thing, okay. that you stay in touch with me, that you let me know how your organization is going, that, you, that if you need something and you need a public appeal, I want you to let me know, because okay. I will make that public appeal for you. That sounds good. So, um, we've been speaking with Todd Feske from Walking with a Purpose MN. Um, and you can go to their website, walkingwithapurpose.org. Um, or you can email Todd at toddfesky at um, yahoo.com uh, to learn more about it. Todd, thanks for being on the show. Well, thanks for having me, Ali. It was a true pleasure. It really was. Well, I just, oh, and by the way, I'm writing you a check before you leave oh. here. <laughs> so... All right, when we come back, uh, we will be doing uh, Odds and Ends and then my Human and Human segment. You've been listening to me, Ellie Krug, interviewing Todd Feske with, from Walking with a Purpose MN. Um, and if you like what you hear, email me at hiddenedgesradio at gmail.com. Let me know what you like or don't like or go to my website at elliekrug.com. Sign up for my newsletter, The Ripple. I'll be back in a minute. Thank you. Mishad Cooley Erickson, a mechanical and electrical consulting engineering firm in Minneapolis, supports inclusivity by designing spaces for all user groups, honoring inclusivity and respect. These spaces include gender-neutral family restrooms and nursing mothers' rooms. For example, Mishad Cooley Erickson has designed lactation rooms for traveling mothers at the MSP International Airport. Designing these spaces has changed the expectations of similar facilities in airports around the country. Mishad Cooley Erickson designed safe and comfortable environments for occupants who are their number one priority. I'm Matt McNeil here. It's the 2018 Blue State Ball, set for Saturday, March 10th at the Blaisdell Mansion in Minneapolis. Coming back to the Twin Cities are Tom Hartman and Norman Goldman. We'll begin the evening with a VIP event starting at 5.30, and at 7 p.m., the general admission begins. We're expecting a ton of special political guests, and look for Mike McEntee and myself, too. VIP tickets are $100 each. General admission tickets are $35 each. Go to am950radio.com for ticket information. Saturday, March 10th at the Blaisdell, it's the 2018 Blue State Ball.
Branding electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Um, hello? If your taxes from years past are talking to you from the back of that drawer in your desk, it might be about time you answered the call by making a call to Moe's Tax Service in St. Paul. Time to come out now. They've been preparing tax returns and creating advisory-based relationships with their clients since 1971. Kind of stuffy in here. Problems with the IRS don't go away by ignoring them. Call Moe's Tax Service. That's M-O-H-S. They're on Ford Parkway in St. Paul. 612-721-2026. 721-2026. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education, and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging, and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life could benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now. With your AM950 weather, this is Eric Nelson. Today will be mostly cloudy, then gradually becoming sunny and cold with a high near 5. Wind chill values as low as negative 20. Tonight, mostly clear with lows around negative 2 and wind chill values as low as negative 16. Monday, highs of 17 and lows of negative 5. Most tax service has been working for you, not the IRS, since 1971. They're located in St. Paul and are one of the largest sites to electronically file taxes in the country. Returns are electronically filed the same day and your refunds are fast and secure. Check out MOHSTax.com. We are back on AM 950 Hidden Edges Radio. This is Ellie Krug. My God, what a great human uh, Todd Feske is with his organization, Walking with a Purpose. I'll, I'll tell you, if I could have guests like Todd every Hidden Edges Radio show, I, I just got to tell you, um, I... I would be at the top of the ratings. We would be national because that kind of man, that kind of story that he represents, we don't get that very often. You know what? And I, if you weren't inspired, I mean, I, I'm, I was inspired and, and yes, I did write a check after he and I got done. So this uh, segment now that we're in my, um, B and uh, B and C blocks uh, are about uh, odds and ends, um, things that I pick up on, um, and uh, I've got two items that are not connected whatsoever, but I want to talk about them first. I mean, what I want to talk about them. Thank you, Ellie. Um, the first is about uh, the practice of law enforcement agencies selling confiscated guns. I picked up on this on a story from last month, uh, January 8th, 18, um, AP story by a woman named uh, Martha uh, Bell Isle, who, um, uh, that showed up in the Star Tribune, who wrote about uh, the practice of law, uh, law enforcement, police departments selling confiscated guns, and the question then of, of, of those guns then turning up in the hands of criminals. Um, or people with mental illness. Now, this story has particular significance here in Minnesota because there was an incident that happened in 2015 in New Hope, Minnesota, when a man walked into the city hall in New Hope and shot two uh, police officers. They returned fire, and that man was killed. As it turned out, the gun that that man used had been sold back to the community by the Duluth 
police department. The gun had been confiscated by the police department in some related crime, in some kind of a crime, and then as part of its practice of disposing of those guns through sale to the public, it sold that gun that that man in New Hope used to a third party, a straw, what's called a straw man purchase, and then that man then in turn sold the, sold or gave the gun to the man who was the gunman in New Hope. Uh, Duluth, to its credit, has stopped selling confiscated weapons. And I'm, um, I'm told that uh, many law enforcement agencies in uh, Minnesota, um, the Minneapolis and St. Paul Police Departments, the Ramsey and Hennepin County Sheriff's Departments, the Dakota County Sheriff's Department, all uh, destroy confiscated guns and do not sell them. But there are a whole lot of other police departments that are around in the Twin Cities um, and in this country, um, because remember, uh, this broadcast is going national. It's going to places via live stream and the web. So the question is, do you know what your law enforcement um, agency is doing with confiscated guns? Are they selling them? Because uh, some of these agencies justify selling confiscated guns as a moneymaker. They um, take the money that they uh, receive for the confiscated guns and then they go on and um, purchase uh, material and equipment for the law department, the law enforcement department agency, the police department. Uh, with that money from uh, the sale of the confiscated guns. So uh, the pitch is, well, this is helping out the taxpayer. You know what? Um, uh, and I'm a, I'm a proponent of the Second Amendment. I, I respect that. Um, however, um, we have plenty of guns out there. We do. We don't need to be selling more from the police departments. Thank you. All right, my other item on odds and ends relates to a um, story that appeared in uh, the St. Cloud Times again in early January, um, and I'm sorry I haven't been following it since I picked up on it, but um, nonetheless it has some timeless quality to it, which is about um, a Catholic parish um, in um, rural Minnesota in Taylor Falls, um, decided, uh, well, Ellie, let's set this up a little bit better than hemming and hawing. Um, there was a new priest at the Catholic parish in Taylor Falls at the Church of St. Joseph. Uh, the priest came in in the summer of 2017. Um, once he came, he ascertained um, that, apparently ascertained, that there were three um, gay men in the church music group um, playing, it sounds like playing instruments. Um, those men apparently were also in, um, in same-sex marriages. Um, you know, marriage. How wonderful. It's, you know, it's a committed relationship with somebody um, recognized by the law. Um, but there, there were three, uh, three musicians in this church music group uh, who were gay, who were married. And the priest... Um, then decided that those musicians would be dismissed from this 400-person uh, parish. Now, um, one of the dismissed um, musicians, a man named Bob Bernard, uh, said that he had uh, no plans to leave the church, and that he and he asked publicly that there be no protests over the dismissal of the gay musicians from the church musical group. Um, the church uh, de declined comment, um, and, uh, and I guess that's understandable. Uh, but one of the trustees of the church, a person named um, Chris Hudspeth, H-U-D-S-P-E-T-H, not only a trustee but a 40-year member of St. Joseph's, uh, said that she disagreed with the decision to dismiss the musicians. I know I like this lady already. Here's how she's uh, quoted in the Associated Press story that was picked up by the St. Cloud Times. Quote, it was more of a justice thing, more of a where is our church going if we're kicking out, if we're kicking people who are living their faith and shattering their music ministry with us. I think it should be if we're kicking them out. 
Um, unquote. In other words, you've got a trustee saying, I don't agree with this. Um, a woman, 40-year member of St. Joseph's, I'm going to guess a pretty ardent Catholic, disagreeing with the church about um, terminating the um, three men from the music group for this church in uh, Taylor Falls. Here's the deal. We've got people who are committed to the Catholic Church. I'm a former Catholic, just so you know. We have people committed to marriage. We apparently have people who are likable, who are reflecting what one would think be the values of the Catholic Church, the values of good Christians, and yet they're not good enough. They're not good enough for this priest. Apparently not good enough for that archdiocese because um, I'm assuming the priest had to clear that before he let them go. Maybe he didn't. We've got to stop this stuff. People are people. If they show up, and if they are people who um, want to um, be there for other people, why can't we just respect that? They're not harming anyone. Why can't we just respect that? Okay, you've been listening to me, Ellie Krug. Um, with Hidden Edges Radio, when we come back, I will do my last segment of the show, Human is Human. Thanks so very much. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education, and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging, and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life could benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now. I'm Jeff Erdman, and I'm running for the DFL endorsement for Congress in the 2nd Congressional District to unseat Jason Lewis and provide people a real, working-class voice in Washington. I grew up in a union home in Lewiston, Minnesota. My dad worked in a flour mill, and my mom provided daycare. My wife Ruth and I have raised three kids in Dakota County. I've been an American government teacher and head football coach for 28 years, with the last 18 years being at Rosemount High School. Ruth works as a speech therapist in schools. We've dedicated our lives to local families, and now I'm running to serve them. Here's what I believe. Health care is a human right. I'm the only candidate pushing for a single-payer Medicare for All system. I'm also the only candidate who opposes drilling, and I have aggressive plans for localizing green jobs and creating wealth in our local economies. It's time for real political reform to take money out of politics. Learn more and see how to caucus February 6th at erdmanforcongress.com. I'm Jeff Erdman, and it's time... For change. Paid for by Urban for Congress. Hello, this is Ellen Krug from Hidden Edges Radio. When I'm not on the radio, I'm standing in front of audiences training about diversity and inclusion and on how to be welcoming to others who are different from us. More than ever, employers and organizations need professional diversity and inclusion training. I can offer that training through my company, Human Inspiration Works, LLC. I'd love to make your workplace or organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. Tom Harmon here letting you know that better energy is finally affordable. With All Energy Solar, Minnesota's number one local home solar provider, you can go solar with little or no money down. Qualified property owners could even see a return on investment in less than one year. Excel Energy's Solar Rewards Incentive Program is available first come, first serve, and federal tax credits are available for a very limited time. Schedule your free solar assessment today. Visit allenergysolar.com. That's allenergysolar.com. And we are back. 
back on Hidden Edges Radio with Ellie Krug on AM 950. I am now in the last segment of my show, what I call my Block D segment. And here's the, here's here we go. I'm a big believer in the idea that we're a society of storytellers and story listeners. You know, and there's an art to storytelling. You know, we need to make our stories interesting, of course. And usually our stories have some kind of a point. It might be a punchline for a laugh or something to make people go, hmm, for a lesson. And on the other side of that equation, there has to be the listener. And the listener also has to be receptive to what the story is and to the words. And maybe um, they have to be receptive to getting it if it's a joke or if it's, um, if it's something that with a punchline or at least uh, receptive to the idea. And, and for me as a storyteller, there's always the risk that when I tell the story... Um, that a listener will think that there's some aggrandizement at work here, that I'm telling a story to make me look good. And actually, you know, that is really almost never the case. I mean, every once in a while, we all have our moments of ego. But with me, for the most of the point, most of the time when I tell stories about something that I've done, um, particularly if they make me look good, it's not for me to look good. It's for me to impart the idea that that we learn from other people's stories. And unless somebody tells us they've done A or B, um, sometimes we don't know that doing A or B um, is right, that it exists, or that um, it's proper to do. So, um, let me share with you a quick, short story about something that um, I did but it begins with something that I observed. So I fly a lot. I'm uh, going in and out of mainly Terminal 2 um, because I'm a big, big um, fan of Southwest. And not too long ago, I was sitting in the terminal. Now, I'm also quite neurotic. So that means I get to the airport uh, with, well, usually more than enough time. And so I will go to the airport um, and sit and do some work. So I was in the terminal, uh, Terminal 2, on an afternoon when um, the weather was not so good here, but really not very good out of Chicago. And apparently the flight in from Chicago was being delayed, and, um, and it meant that people were going to miss connections. So that flight was going to be delayed to Minneapolis, meaning that those people getting on that flight then would be delayed to getting to wherever their destination was in order to make their connections. And I sat there as I was doing my work. I did not notice this at first. All I noticed at first was a lot of noise. Somebody speaking over the um, intercom system for a long time. And, and it, was, it started to irritate me. And, but then I started listening. So I first heard something. And then I looked over to the counter. And I see this shorter, younger woman, maybe barely 30 years old. On, you know, holding up the, the phone or the microphone and making an announcement about the incoming flight being delayed and understanding that people were, were anxious about their connections. And she, what she did was she gave a very detailed explanation over the air. I mean, that's the thing that started to get my attention because she was going on and on. But she was doing it with some humor. And she was doing it um, you know, in a way that she knew that she was telling people things that they didn't want to hear. You know, she was making fun of herself. You know, she said, but, but I'm nice. <laughs> and um, asked that people come up from only certain cities where the connections were going to be, uh, connections to were going to be difficult. And I watched, you know, as she made that announcement, and then people queued to get in line. And at some point, I, she probably had 30 people in line. And, and I watched, she was alone. She's doing this all by herself, doing rebooking or whatever else she was doing. And um, and at and a couple of points, she got back on the intercom and said, I only want you from city A, B, and C. And she said, if you're from some other place, I'm going to tell you to sit back down. So please don't get in line. And I was like, well, that's pretty firm, but she was being nice about how she was doing that. And you know what? She handled that line of people. And, it, you know, it, it ebbed and it flowed. So I bet she handled 
40, 45 people before she was done. She got all of that done in about 45 minutes and all by herself. I was really impressed with what she did. Okay, so now here's my risk of aggrandizement, okay, about making me look good. And I'm not telling you this for that reason. But you know what I did? When she had a break, when she was up there alone by herself, I went up to her. And I went and I just said, say, I was, you know, hearing what you were saying and I watched as you did this work and I just need to tell you I'm very impressed. I said to her that I just, I just thought that she did a really great job, that she did it with great grace and dignity and she made people feel comfortable. And you know what I got back from her? I got a huge smile and um, I got a thank you. And she was like darn surprised that I think anybody was paying attention. And secondly, I think she was really surprised that somebody would come up and compliment her when that person had nothing to do with the work that she was doing. I mean, I, that was not my flight, thank God. And, and, so, um, and so, you know, I did that. And why am I telling you this story, okay? I'm telling you this because can you imagine what the world would be like if all of us went up and told strangers, good job, think about that. I mean, of course, they'd have to do a good job, but after watching somebody do a good job, can you imagine what it would be like if, if strangers went up and said, you know what, I thought you really did great under those circumstances. You know, it wouldn't take a whole lot to do that. Of course, we have to get over our, you know, Minnesota apprehension about talking to strangers. Um, and, you know, I'm not from Minnesota, I'm from Iowa, so I guess maybe it's a little bit easier for me to do that. But, you know, the next time you see somebody, total stranger, maybe a service person in particular, you see them do something that has some class and dignity to it, and it has, um, you know, it's a good job. Why don't you just say, good job to them? You never know what it might lead to. Maybe it may mean that they'll pass that on to somebody else. Maybe somebody will see you do that and they'll do that for someone else. You just never know how it is that we ripple to each other. That's, what it's, that's why I call this segment Human to Human because it's all about us being human with each other. Well, that, that does another show. You've been listening to me, Ellie Krug, one of the few transgender radio hosts in the world with Hidden Edges Radio and AM 950. If you've enjoyed the show or hated it, email me at hiddenedgesradio at gmail.com or visit my website at elliekrug.com. I am trying to take this show. I'm trying to take Ellie 2.0. Listen to me on Mondays from 7.30 to 8. I talk about um, being an idealist. We hit it head on. A big thanks to our sponsors, the engineering firm of Michaud Cooley Erickson and the law firm of Zaylor Stout & Associates. Brett Johnson, my producer, you are the best. Um, you've been listening to me, Ellie Krug. I'll be back next Sunday. Thanks. Bye-bye. <laughs>